Hi, I'm Trevor Elio. And I'm Julie Stern. And this is Conceptually Speaking, the show where we interview experts to uncover the concepts and patterns that help us organize our world. From farming to fashion, we can understand any field through acquiring, organizing, and transferring conceptual relationships. We hope this podcast will inspire teachers and students to design creative solutions to complex problems and accelerate innovation in today's schools. If you're interested in our work, you can find out more at edtosavetheworld.com. Our guest today is none other than Julie's mom, Justine Harris. In our first ever recording, Justine was kind enough to loan us her time and expertise talking about gardening. With many people looking for more sustainable ways to grow food, or even just time to pick up an ecologically friendly hobby, we felt the discussion about gardening would be pretty topical. Justine is a knowledgeable guest who provides some great practical ideas about how to get started working on your own garden. Even if you don't have a green thumb, our our conversation today will touch on topics like sustainability, ecological ethics, and the importance of paying attention to what we put in the earth. We know that we need bees and other pollinators Mm -hmm. to uh, to help us with our food supply. Without them, we wouldn't really have a good food supply. So you can really see in nature how everything is kind of interrelated. And what you do has a great impact on the environment and on our native species and insects and birds. So um, that I have you know, learned over the years is really, really important. So get your spades and gloves and prepare to get some great gardening tips. Welcome everyone to our first episode of Conceptually Speaking. This week, we're going to be looking at the field of gardening. And yes, that is already a bad pun. Get used to those. I'm sure there will be many more. Uh, Our guest this week is actually Julie's mom. So I will turn it over to her as she uh, for some introductions. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor. So it's Julie Stern here. I'm here with my mom, Justine Harris. Welcome, mom. Oh, hi. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being our guinea pig. Um, and so we just thought because of COVID-19, a lot of people are, are stuck at home. A lot of people are actually trying their hands at gardening. So we thought, wow, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool to have a show about gardening? So my mom is actually a pharmacist. She's a retired pharmacist. She's a pretty, pretty incredible uh, female leader who's retired and she's also very good at gardening. So when did, and so it's a hobby, uh, when did this kind of start as your, your experience and your passion for gardening? Oh my, a long time ago <laughs> because my family, my grandmother, maternal grandmother was a gardener and my grandfather. And so I learned at their knee and, uh, that was my interest in learning how to plant things and watch them grow. And basically when we're here, my family and I are here living with my parents under this uh, quarantine situation. And, and we've got, we've got some blueberry bushes. We've got mm-hmm. some lettuce plants. We've got even some, some trees. And, but uh, I've learned a lot also about gardening for my mom. So I just wanted to try out our little mental model on my mom. So one day I said to her, Hey, can you just brainstorm like the top 10 or so words that come to mind when you think of gardening? So can you just share, you know, we just sat down one, one afternoon. Can you just share your list of, the top things that we talked about when it comes to gardening. Sure. Um, well, I, I listed environment as, as one and uh, what plant to plant. And then I went into soil composition and things like that and light requirements, water requirements, temperature and the location where to plant and um, uh, the size of the plant and uh, 
basically uh, we looked at this list and she said, well, you know, uh, if you had to narrow it down further, what do you think are the most important things to consider when you're planning to plant something in your garden? And um, I looked at it really long and hard and I thought, well, you know, it probably boils down to the right plant planted in the right location. And um, so, you know, uh, I'm an amateur gardener, but I've learned a lot through my uh, trials and errors. And I think basically that's what it is. You have to have the right plant and put it where it can thrive. Yeah, that was what was so cool. She says she she thought long and hard, but it took about four minutes. Um, and so that's what we, we yeah. love about our mental model is that we've been trying it with a lot of different people. And so it took her about four minutes to narrow it down and say, you know what, it really is about the right plant for the right location. Then you can get the water requirements, the light, how much sunlight it gets, all of those things um, really boils down to that. So it was really cool to see our, our mental model in this, mm -hmm. in this, mm -hmm. uh, exact uh, thing that we're in talking a very about practical way <laughs> yes yes one of the things that's most interesting about the model and how it relates to you pruning those concepts from your original list is the fact that when we think about expertise i think our tendency is to assume it's just about how like knowing a lot being able to see how all the things are interconnected which is true but once you have a lot of knowledge it enables you to create these sort of broader file folders so you really can narrow it down. So it's this weird sort of paradox where the more you know, the better you are at sort of creating this Russian nesting doll of important ideas and concepts. And you can articulate your understanding in a, in a pretty brief way where you can really just narrow it down to its bare bones essentials. So it's sort of like it's an interesting curve of um, how much you know and how quickly you're able to communicate and, and narrow down what is important. Because four minutes is a pretty quick amount of time. It would have taken me much longer to come up with uh, you know, just the three that you narrowed down to in that time. Right. And I think that <clears throat> that gets really, really nicely hits at the right size of the plant and at the right location, because I think that gets at a lot of mistakes that beginners make. Um, so do you think you could share what are some some common mistakes that especially people who are maybe running out to Home Depot right now and trying to get some plants for their yard? What are some common mistakes that people make when they're first beginning to garden? Well, I, I've noticed like uh, the first time home buyers, they can't wait to get out there and landscape and do something really nice and attractive. And they want instant, an instant look. Mm -hmm. So they might choose a bush or a tree that really they haven't considered the, the um, size and maturity and they might place it too close to their house where they might have foundational problems and other kind of problems as they as they um, as that plant matures and um, also like with uh, new construction the soil is really bad and mm. if, whether they've considered you know they might need to amend that soil and things like that I see uh, and it's not just uh, amateur gardeners that are doing this you see in these new housing developments that they just come in and just like instant landscaping but 
a few years down the road, they may have to change it all out. So she's definitely gotten into my brain about that because since she and my my dad pointed that out to me, I I kind of can't help driving around and looking and saying, mm, that person did not <laughs> think about the size of that bush uh, when it was good when yeah. they first planted it, and and so then it's like these bushes sort of growing on top of each other, or like you said, too close to the house. Um, and now I because she's she's got that in my brain, I see it all the time now. Yeah. But you know, gardening is um, pretty much a trial and error thing sometimes, and uh, there are no guarantees. And you know, Mother Nature can cooperate or not cooperate. So it's 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 a challenge, but it's also a lot of fun. One of the things that sh- that you said that I f- I found quite interesting was that there are a bunch of different problems that could emerge by not being aware of these foundational concepts. Maybe uh, you know plants aren't having uh, getting enough sun. Maybe plants are ending up uh, you know trees growing into your house. There are all of these different issues that could arise just from a lack of understanding of these foundational concepts. So I think it's it's kind of an interesting way to consider you know, and this is for all kinds of fields. How many simple mistakes are people making based on a lack of knowledge of these sort of foundational things that uh, emerge? Uh, in a bunch of different ways and create a bunch of different problems because these sort of foundational ideas and principles were ignored. Yeah. So speaking of, do you have like, there's a lot of teachers who hopefully will be listening to our podcast do you, and they're starting these community gardens, like in the school. Do you have advice for teachers who are wanting to start a, a little garden at the school? Uh, yes. And a lot of times uh, they do get, um, like area garden club is to come in and help them advise. My mom is the president of one garden club (laughs) and I believe the treasurer of another one. So uh, (laughs) I've been doing this for a while, but we, we get involved with that quite frequently as by teachers and schools to help uh, advise them on building a small garden that, you know, can really help to teach the children about either vegetables or flowers or just planting in general. So um, we, when we get asked about that, the, the, the first thing I would say is, you know, kind of start small um, and uh, have your, uh, have a nice area for, for the planning. And, you know, of course the right location. <laughs> and um, then I would, I would purchase plants or seeds or whatever, things that will be easily uh, that the children can see results pretty easily because, uh, you know, if it takes something like three months to germinate, you know, they might kind of lose interest, but if they can just see, you know, the little plant growing and if they can be shown how to, uh, cultivate that plant. What are some things that, that, germinate fast or relatively fast well radishes do really radishes fast. <laughs> lettuces mm-hmm. and um some of the flowers you know the annuals uh germinate pretty quickly uh, uh daisies are really nice because they keep on giving you know they they come back year after year so it depends on what their goal is. Do they want to have a pollinator garden? Do they want to have one where the children can, can pick produce from the garden? So, Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, great point. If it's, The flowers are not only pretty, but they provide right. uh, pollination right. for, for bees. So, and like you know, that. it yeah. depends on what their main focus is. Do you have a top list of things that you might recommend uh, plants or um 
vegetables or anything that you might recommend to somebody who is starting out, maybe there is a uh, COVID quarantine year who is considering experimenting with gardening uh, and maybe some forgiving ones that wouldn't you know, die if you forget to water them for a few days or something. So maybe some good beginner plants or vegetables right. to start with. Um, well, every new planting, just about every new planting requires watering and maintenance early on until the root system gets established. So um, I would think like something that's really drought tolerant, you know, like uh, the herbs sometimes, uh, rosemary, you know, basil, um, the sages, sages are really low maintenance. So I would recommend something like that. Mm, I love sage. Yeah. And yeah, herbs mm -hmm. grow so fast and, and add such fun flavor to, to mm -hmm. food. So people who are out there trying to cook as well, right. that's a nice right. thing to, to add to their repertoire. Mm -hmm. One caveat, and I'm learning now, is that um, because of this uh, coronavirus, uh, seeds are pretty much in short supply. <laughs> I guess people you know, trying to start their own home gardens, but, um, and there's a lot of delay in shipments and mm -hmm. people are not going out to stores to purchase seeds. So mm -hmm. that, but you know, yes. it's a little difficult right now. We had to, we went to, Amazon was out. So we had to go to a different, a different mm -hmm. site to try to find right. seeds. Yeah, right. Lowe's, Home right. Depot, all of the sites mm -hmm. were, were saying they were out of their seeds. Luckily, I, I know, have a lot of contacts and uh, people with greenhouses. <laughs> <that> people, <laughs> people mailed her in an envelope. Yeah, some right. Seeds. Some wow. seeds. Uh, the underground seed market. Yeah, that's exactly, right. That's exactly. right. So, so you should go hit us up in the comments <laughs> if you need some, because now we have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. But uh, gardening is really uh, very rewarding and, uh, it's a it's a hobby of mine i've been doing it for a while and i would highly recommend it you know and we've seen even with my own kids like if they grow it they'll eat it like mm -hmm. if we buy it from the store they won't eat it but if they've taken the time to see plant the seeds mm -hmm. to watch it come mm -hmm. to germination they will eat it it's incredible so right, that's something that's right. really cool i've seen with my own kids and now that you know everyone is concerned about the environment and uh you know what we're doing uh to the environment and uh, having organic whole foods, then um, it's a really good thing to get into. You know. What are some of the pros that you've noticed or benefits you've noticed from gardening? Um, you, Julie just sort of mentioned it's a way for us to connect with our food. Uh, I'm sure there's a you know a quasi zen uh, oh, yes. thing uh -huh. with it as well. Mm -hmm. So I would just love to kind of hear some of the what are, what is gardening brought to you in your life. Well, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, form of exercise, physical exercise, and it really does a lot for your mental health too. Um, in fact, they're showing now that um, in like we, as a garden club, we support this mental institution in their gardening efforts and that it really improves their mental um, health as well, uh, going out and gardening and just being in nature in general. So there are a lot of benefits to it, but I would think, you know, it's good for mental and physical health. I think that brings up a really good point about the, a concept that's super important for, for kids to understand, for adults to understand, which is interdependence. Can you talk a little bit about how the concept of interdependence shows up in gardening? Just the idea that things are in, dependent upon other things. Sure. Um, we know that we need 
bees and other pollinators mm -hmm. to uh, to help us with our food supply. Without mm -hmm. them, we wouldn't really have a good food supply. So mm -hmm. you can really see in nature how everything is kind of interrelated. And what you do has a great impact on the environment and on our native species and insects and birds. So uh, that I have, you know, learned over the years is really, really important. Um, and um, we do have uh, some invasive species that have been introduced, you know, from other countries and that don't really belong in this environment and they they pretty much take over and just kind of smother out our native species which is not a good thing so um you can really see how there's a lot of interdependence between different plants and different parts of nature mm -hmm. that's something that we we were learning she said we were trying to decide which seeds to plant and I love melons and watermelons, cantaloupes, and she says, "Well, the problem is those are those are crawlers, and they'll they'll take over your yeah, whole garden right. if you're not careful. So the the things that grow sort of wide, you have to be careful mm -hmm. because then they they mm -hmm. can sort of drown out the nutrients and the sunlight, et cetera, right. for the other and, plants. And it's it, you know that goes back to you know the right location. You know, if you have a nice little isolated place for your watermelons, then you can plant them there." But uh, you, if you want to just have a small little garden, watermelon would probably take the whole garden up. So. Mm -hmm. It almost seems as if they're due to this interconnectedness, there are almost some ethical implications when you're considering what should you plant, what shouldn't you plant, um, because what you put into the earth isn't just you know, going to affect your garden or maybe your neighbor's uh, property value, but it, it could have all sorts of unseen implications in terms of the, the ecosystem surrounding it. So that's something that uh, until you, you brought up that idea of those invasive species, uh, I had never thought before. Is there anything, uh, any, I guess, practices or, or common trends that you see in gardening now that is actually having some maybe farther damaging effects that people aren't really thinking about? Uh, lawns, uh, I mean, pretty lawns, I think a lot of us think that that's just really beautiful, but that is really very, very bad for the environment because they, they take a lot of nutrients, they take a lot of water, um, and then they don't really support a lot of insects or birds mm. and things. So now the trend is uh, into reducing the amount of lawn size that you have in, in, your, in your yard and uh, putting, you know, little expanses of, of native plants that can support uh, these, these, these insects. And yeah, one thing that we did in our, in our house in the Dominican Republic, we have just a tiny, tiny, I'm talking like three feet by maybe 10 feet of space where I just, you know, told our gardener, don't mow there. And we just, we keep it, you know, growing kind of wild. And we, you know, we trim it down a little bit, but the flowers, the native flowers are allowed to grow. And every time we go out there, we see bees. Mm -hmm. I think because we're one of, we live in like a, you know, a nice residential neighborhood and everybody's trying to have the very nice lawn. And so I think, uh, that's such a great example of everybody left a little space for flowers to grow, then the, we wouldn't have our mm -hmm. issue that we have with our pollinators. I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, 
what's really popular now is is growing meadows uh, of natural grasses and natural flowers and things like mm-hmm. milkweed for the monarch butterflies and all the other pollinators. Uh, I belong to this club where we do have a meadow that we maintained, and it's really kind of interesting to see the mentality of some of the people that really do not like it because it's not manicured or well kept. And a lot of times during the year, it looks like maybe a it, big weedy it's field. Wild. It's wild. <laughs> and uh, they don't mow it uh, until early March because all of those insects are overwintering on those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on those plants mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh but then you know the mindset of some people is that oh it's unsightly because it's not well manicured and and taken care of that way so it's just a different it just needs to be a different mindset need to know the role of yeah, pollinators and yeah. the interdependent nature right, yeah for sure right. It's it's definitely something that as someone without expertise, I hadn't really considered and sort of bring the conversation full circle. When you have a deep knowledge of something, you can boil it down to its bare essentials, but you also are able to look at these things in a in a very nuanced way. You know, when I look at a well-maintained garden, I'm like, oh wow, you know, that's great. This person's taking care of their lawn, they're they're, you know, maintaining their yard, etc. But, you know, with that deeper knowledge, you have an understanding of the deeper implications of, you know, what that is actually um, preventing in terms of uh, giving back to, to the wider gardening ecosystem. Uh, and it's, it's intriguing to consider how different people think about different things and they, they pull to mind different ideas when they see the same thing. So do you, where do you think that, like, where did the idea of the, you know, the well-maintained lawn even come from like if there are all of these things that we should have been planting for all these years that will actually you know help the earth why did this idea of just a flat green strip become so prevalent i don't know if you if you recall like uh in the the uh formal gardens of england and Mm -hmm. france and how everything was like they had these topiaries Mm -hmm. and well maintained and groomed shrubs and you know i'm not saying that but but it's just that it just seems it, some order was there. And I think people just like that order. Uh, but that's just a theory of mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, that's a, a, a good transfer too to how people feel about their physical appearance. And they do some unhealthy things to their, <laughs> their bodies yeah, right, um, right. in order to make themselves look well-groomed. <laughs> right, right. So... Yes, it seems that sometimes we we value aesthetic over mm-hmm, function, for sure. Uh, which you know might be okay if it comes to having a strange haircut, but not when it comes to making sure that you know bees survive and we can pollinate flowers and not have the earth you know turn to dust. Yeah. Um, it also reminds me of uh, in in Japan Japanese garden they have something called wabi sabi, and that is. Uh, that you love the imperfections of nature, mm-hmm. that um, not all of it has to be manicured and perfect. Mm-hmm. So. That's great. That sounds mm-hmm. like a great wabasabi and loving the imperfections seems like a great, <laughs> a great way to end. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that's, that's excellent. So thanks, Justine, uh, for You're coming welcome. on. We really appreciate your time. I feel like I have a better understanding of, of gardening now and I'm, uh, I'm, 
taking a quarantine staycation at my parents' house. So I'm sure they will use that against me and ask me to lay a lot more mulch. Yes. So uh, <laughs> when we do start planning uh, any anything, I will have a little bit deeper understanding of where they should or shouldn't go. Okay, so thank good. you for your time. Awesome. You're welcome. Great. Thanks, Thanks Great chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conceptually Speaking. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and are coming away with a stronger grasp of the concepts and mental models that help us understand our world. If you like this podcast, feel free to like, comment, or subscribe on your favorite platform. If you want to learn more or get involved, check out our website at edtosavetheworld.com and join our Facebook group, Learning the Transverse.